This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Behind the Micah podcast. I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. This is episode 13, and man, I got an awesome guest with me today, a friend of mine uh, who preaches at Bethany uh, Christian Church down in Washington, Indiana. His name is Matt Merrill. Matt, it's good to have you on the show, man. Micah, thanks for inviting me to be a part of it. It means a lot to me that you asked. Yeah, so uh, let me uh, first start out how we met, kind of. So uh, I've been at Odin now for four years, um, and uh, when I came to Odin, uh, different people were, you know, throwing names out at me, and I'm, I'm just, you know, coming to this area because I don't know what Odin is. I've never even heard of Odin. Uh, in fact, I, I pronounced it Odon uh, yeah. because it's spelled that way, and uh, I had heard of Washington. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I'd been there, but I'd heard of it because of the Zeller boys. Uh, I'll be, I, I don't know if that's kind of the, the claim to fame in Washington or not, but but, uh, but yeah, so I, I come to Odin um, and uh, somebody says, hey, there's this guy named Matt Merrill. He preaches down at Bethany. You got to connect with him. He's a good dude. And then I'm like, man, I've heard the last name Merrill before. Uh, ben Merrill, right? And, and, uh, and, and then I was like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, yeah, that's his, that's his grandson. And I was like, oh, how cool is that? So uh, me and you connected. Uh, and uh, I think maybe one of the first places that you took me in Washington, you said you asked me if I wanted Mexican food or Mexican Mexican food. And I said, I want me- I guess I want Mexican Mexican, man. So you took me to this place. What was the place called you took me to? Uh, Taqueria El Maneco. Oh, gosh. And it was it was different. Like it wasn't what you would get at, you know, you know. Casa Sevilla here in, in, in Odin, right? I mean, it was, no, it's like traditional, um, you know, street food and, you know, what you experience in like Mexico city or Tijuana or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was, it was definitely Great. different, but, but what, probably, probably a couple of years we've known each other and, uh, yeah. and uh, man, I want you to tell me uh, a little bit about uh, how you got to Bethany. Like, like what, what was it? I mean, how did you, how did you end up in, in Washington, Indiana? Mike, my key answer for that is always God swallowed me up and spit me out here like he did Jonah to Nineveh. <laughs> uh, you know, reluctantly is how I got here. Um, and I had an association with the church through a guy I played baseball with in college. And he lived in Montgomery, which uh, is just south of you and, and to the east of us. And that's where Bethany was originally located in that town, about 400 people. And um, he just said, you know, You've never given the uh, church, at least a small church, a chance. Why don't you come and be an intern at Bethany and uh, see what it's like? Give it three months and, and uh, you can say you've been there, done that. And he, he kind of uh, placed it as a way of saying, well, what harm is it going to do to you? And I, I think he was selling me on the idea. And I thought to myself, yeah, what harm is it going to do to me? So I loaded up a a friend's truck and came down here, camped out in the parsonage and uh, found out immediately that they were without a pastor, even a lead pastor. Yeah. He had just resigned prior to my showing up. Oh, and so wow. I was the only one there on staff. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and I finally just told him, Hey, I can preach for you. And, and, and I've been here 21 years. 
Wow. And and it was originally located in a graveyard. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were surrounded by a graveyard on three yeah. sides and then a highway on another side. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you end up somehow in Southern Indiana as a, as a kid uh, growing up. Now you're originally from California, correct? Yeah. Southern California. And as a kid growing up, did like a thought ever occur in your mind? Like one day I'm going to end up in Southern Indiana. Dude, I couldn't, I could pinpoint to you where Indiana was on a map. Yeah. I knew that we had family in Bloomfield of all places. Uh, and I had been there before when I was like in elementary school. And to think that I'm so close to that. And my dad grew up in Sullivan, Indiana. Okay. And, you know, that's not, that's not very far from us. Right. About 45 minutes. Right. And to think that I've come back to this place that was near folklore in my life. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and here I am. And I've uh, been here now just as long as I was uh, in my growing up years in California. But do it's you, crazy you still, still claim California? Yeah, I still claim California. It's who I am, I think, it, inevitably at the core. But um, yeah, yeah it, it, it has it is it is in, in indistinguishable of trying to unmerge that in my life. I gotcha. OK, so 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 you grow up um, in California, then you, you come here. Um, me and you, we have some some similarities. Not only do we both preach. Uh, and been a ministry man, but um, we both we both have uh, a grandfather uh, who preached in ministry. Uh, your your grandfather man was a is a rock star. Uh, and, you know, just man, growing up hearing, I mean, you know, growing up and hearing stories and, and hearing sermons from from Ben Merrill and stuff like that. Man, it was awesome uh, to to be able to do that. Do you get that more often than not? Like people come up to you and be like, hey you're Ben Merrill's grandson, right? Or do they, or do they refer to you as like, Hey, it's Matt Merrill. Um, you know, when I was first getting into ministry, there was kind of this novelty. I think that went along with it of if I can get one step away to Ben, that's close enough. And, and that step away is Matt. I yeah. think there was a side to that, uh, which, uh, you know, worked in some ways to get probably, uh, closer to people than I probably should have immediately in, in ministry at being so green yeah. and such a novice, um, you know, family relations and, and family name certainly can do something for you. For sure. But, for sure. you know, um, I think now, you know, my grandfather always jokes and he always says, uh, people ask him, Hey, are you Matt Merrill's grandfather? <laughs> and I, and I, I know, you know, I know That's there's awesome. a, a false humility that goes along with that. <laughs> um, no, I'm proud of, I'm proud of, 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 uh, the stock I come from. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's always been really, we, we talk family shop, we talk family business, which is church, but yeah, not, not to the degree that I think people think we do. We, we you know, he, I've always positioned him as my grandfather first. Uh, he was my pastor, you know, for, yeah. uh, the majority of my life. I, I, I you know, I, I sat there bored out of my mind. It didn't neural believe that or not. Yeah, and uh, it makes me wonder uh, what I was actually learning in those moments <laughs> subconsciously. Yeah, and uh, I think it kind of paid off in some ways. But for sure. Uh, for sure, yeah, we don't we don't talk shop a whole lot. He's my grandfather. Uh, I know that you know myself and my my older brother who are both in ministry and 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 uh, lead lead pastors. Yeah. He's awfully yeah. proud, though sure. he had never once uh, even suggested that we get into the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. He made it so attractive, Micah, and your grandfather probably did too. 
Yeah. He well, made it so attractive. It, it, it was definitely, um, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, as my, my grandparents used to say, and I don't know that he ever said it, but uh, I had a grandparent once tell me that uh, of all the grandkids, I was the last one they thought would be a preacher. And I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to take that. I, I think maybe that's a good thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I do think that um, I, I definitely know that I wouldn't be here today um, doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for, for that. And, and I, it, you made me laugh when you say that because I can relate to you, man. I was the same way with Dale Day sermons, you know, just sitting there going, man, I just want to get out of here. In fact, uh, one of my, listen to this, one of my, one of my punishments when I was a kid, when I'd get in trouble or whatever was going to, uh, and I mentioned this in one of the other episodes, but one of my punishments was on Sunday afternoons, I had to go on communion runs with my grandfather and, uh, I hated it, man. Cause I'd be in the back seat and I hated going on these runs. And, uh, friend of mine was laughing because he said uh, your punishment was serving the lord's supper i was like yeah that was my punishment yeah. man yeah. so <laughs> you know I, I was listening to a sermon of my grandfather's it was from i don't know 92 93 yeah and um I, I this is about three months ago and in the middle of the sermon about 20 minutes in, he stops and he says there's a group of boys in the back that are being disruptive. This is a <laughs> congregation of like, you know, there's probably 2000 in, in attendance. And, that's yeah. it. and if one of us is my grandfather, or if one of them is my grandson, there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> he said that from the, he said that from the pulpit. <laughs> yes. And I'm certain it was me. But, uh, there's nothing like getting called out in the middle of a service amongst thousands of people by Ben Merrill. That's incredible. Yeah. What, what is the, um, what is the best piece of advice he's given you? Oh man. Uh, I don't know. He is a wealth of wisdom. I, what piece of advice? Yeah. Uh, I, bro, that's hard. That's hard to placard. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, I, I am uh, a lot of who I am because of him and you know my dad passed away um right at the beginning of my ministry and i had no one else as a spiritual mentor but him yeah. uh, the wisdom is not taught it's caught you yeah. know it's uh I, I had the privilege of living with them for for a year plus and interning with them for a year plus and uh, being raised next to your grandfather is, is a privilege, you know, I, I, yeah. especially within ministry. And you know that family ties are hard to, to stay uh, knotted up when, when you're in ministry. And so yeah. we were knotted up all in Southern California and, you know, it, it just, it just uh, everything about him uh, and my grandmother too, uh, were had been a part of my life since I was a kid. So I have 44 years of, Ben Merrill wisdom and yeah. polishing. I, I don't even, yeah. So probably, I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're asking me a hard question. Well, probably, probably more, you know, I guess what I'm, I'm maybe I'm getting from you is that it was more about the wisdom. A lot of the wisdom was what you saw and, and less than what you heard. Right. Yeah. I mean, just um, some great stuff, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to chime you in and zero in just on, on him. Although oh, I love man, talking about him though. 
What a what a um what a legacy. How old is he now? Ninety four. Dang. You know, we just had him. We just had him at Bethany yeah. to do a three night uh, mini series on the return of Christ. And uh, I said, I don't know how many people will be there. He was asking intensive. I don't know how many people will be there. And, uh, you know, he's at this place right now where he kind of thinks he's a little bit irrelevant. Yeah. And so he'll say things like, well, you know, uh, you, you can boister my name and, and people just won't show up. And I said, I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. But I said, uh, the, the topic is going to be needed in the moment. A lot of people wonder about the return of Christ. Yeah. I said, you have a lot more. And he goes, well, it'll probably just be a small class. I said, I don't know, 900 people. Wow. show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to listen to him. And he spoke for an hour and 15 minutes each night wow. and he slayed and uh, they're, they're never missed a beat. And uh, the, the stuff it's, I think it's all online, but uh, the stuff that uh, he did that he and I did together prior in, in post of that gathering, that's not on video. His, his, he was, he is so whimsical uh, and fast on his feet it, that it was terrifying to me to be on stage yeah. with him and how fast he thought and joked and, you know, just the old school preacher stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. A lot of guys don't have anymore. For sure. Kind of the, kind of the stump, the preacher. Nights. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he was killing. And I, I thought, I don't care what he said in the last hour and 15 minutes about the return of Jesus, the five minutes before and the five minutes after I wish we had on tape. So every preacher could hear that. Yeah. Super yeah. witty, maybe oh, witty might yeah, be the, just yeah, yeah, witty and and winsome. Uh, yeah. It drew you in because you you had an affinity for who he is. Yeah, That's so good. That's awesome. You know, they're, they're honest. If I was being honest with you right now, man, if if my grandfather was still here, that I, I have, I sit here sometimes and I go, man, I wish he was here right now so I could just mm. ask him this question, right, mm. or I could just pick his brain yeah. right now because um, I, and and I got to do it a little bit um but not, not as much as I would have liked. And, uh, man, there was just something about that generation, right? I mean, there's something about that generation that, um, I I don't want to sound like, like an old person and say, Hey man, they don't make them like they used to. Right. But, (laughs) but man, there was something special about that, that, that generation of preachers for sure. You, You know, they had a ability to build something, to scale something up in particular, I'm talking the the preachers of that era. Yeah. And to do something really, really amazing, maverick-like amazing, and then be so humble about it. Yeah. And I know that wasn't across the board, but at least to me, that defined that generation of preachers. As I think about his generation, these guys that made all these foundations and did all these great things that were just standing on the backs of, the shoulders of. Yeah. And they were so humble about it. And I'm not seeing a whole lot of humility anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I would agree 100% with that. You know, you, you talked about, um, in, 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 to an extent, standing out a little bit when you came to Washington. Uh, may, maybe not completely, um, but definitely wasn't Southern California. Um, you know, definitely didn't offer a lot of the things that Southern California offered. I mean, you're talking dramatic differences, right? I mean, I've never been to California and this is something that me and you got to connect on this one because I got to figure out a way somehow to get out to California at some point in my life, um, to visit whether no cow or SoCal, whichever one, uh, cause they're both from what I hear is great. Right. But much different, you know, here you're surrounded by fields and, um, 
you get to the part of Indiana that I'm from, and there's a lot more hills and curves and that kind of stuff than here. A- absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I, uh, I, Indiana. Yeah. I said my cousin's out. I said a cousin out, or uh, sorry, a niece out from Southern California. And uh, she and her friend were here this last week, and we took them down to Marengo in the yeah. cave. Yeah. And, and Micah, you know that drive? Yeah. Down by Potoka, French Lake. Yeah. Dude, they saw beauty they had not ever seen before. Wow. And it was it was pristine. It was a beautiful spring day. The rain had just fallen and the sun was coming crisp through the clouds. And I and and they just were in awe, man. And and Indiana never needs to sell itself short. Oh, for it, sure. It is gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. country, especially in that that region. Well, don't get me wrong. Um, I am uh, you know. Who's your born? Who's your bred? Yeah, I die. I'll be who's your dead, right? But, yeah. uh, but, but um, there's a lot of really great pr- places, and and coming here was was uh, you know a little you know, West Coast and Midwest are, are two completely different things, and um, coming here probably stood out just a little bit, um, not not completely. I mean, you kind of, I mean, you still would. I mean, coming to Washington, you you don't look a whole lot different than a lot of people, but. Um, there's a guy today that uh, I want to talk about, actually a couple of guys from, from Daniel chapter one that uh, really stood out um, in, a, in, a, in a situation where it kind of mirrored a lot of what's going on in our world today. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy how, um, <laughs> how practical this is, or I guess maybe that's not the word, how, uh, how much this mirrors a lot of what we have now. Yeah. Um, so, so this, uh, this King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter one, he's this bad King who's from Babylon and he, he, he's destroying Jerusalem, man. And he's taking things out. He's taking out burning temples and destroying cities, basically just completely wiping out anything that you've ever heard. It's, it's, it's uh, cancel culture at its finest, right? He's coming in and he's taking away everything. And he says, Hey, I got to have some of these, uh, grab some of these guys who are some of the best of the best, these, these young leaders, I'm going to, I'm going to rope them in and I'm basically going to, uh, indoctrinate, maybe, maybe that's not the word indoctrinate them into this Babylonian culture. So they will, uh, they're smart guys and we're going to train them to be future leaders with us and where we stand and what we believe. Um, would you say that there's, uh, in its own way, uh, a lot of that going on today. Yeah, I think if you look at Daniel one, you know, the entire context is Nebuchadnezzar destroying identity and he's trying to take away the identity of the Israelites, trying to take away uh, the identity of these elites as well that are elite because they serve a faithful God and they're faithful to that God. And, you know, Daniel one is about let's take away what they know. And let's give them a new identity. They're given new names. You know, you, you see it all through the, the chapter. They're given everything new, new diets, everything. And Daniel says, no, you're not taking this from me. You're not taking my faith. And, um, you know, he has these moments uh, where he decides to stand out and these hills he's willing to die on. You know, the, the diet in particular yeah. is one of those things. But ultimately, what Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do is what the world, uh, mainly Satan, is trying to do to us. And, uh, and that's take away our identity. And if, if our identity, especially as believers can be taken away, our identity is in Christ. The moment that's taken away, the moment we lose purpose and the moment we lose the mission of life, because we don't have an identity anymore. 
And if you see what world, the world's wrestling with, especially in the Western areas, is, is the, an identity crisis to yeah. the point where we're not even male and female, we're binary. Yeah. And, and if Satan can beat us down uh, as humans, that we no longer have an identity, then he's going to, he steals that from us. And, and he really has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Absolutely. I, I think that King Nebuchadnezzar here, he, he mirrors a lot of what Satan does. Hey, think like we think, behave like we behave, believe like we believe, all these different things. Um, you know, and I think it, it goes through our, our, you know, our media, through our, you know, advertisements, through our music, all of the, all of the whole nine, right? Like how these subtle messages, like, Hey, believe this way, right? Think this way. And, and this is okay. This is, this is the way that, you know, this is the way the world's going, man. So just, just jump on board. Um, kind of like the, the whole, uh, mantra of, you know, uh, all roads lead to the same place. Right. So you just you just do life the way that you you do life and it'll all lead to the same place. Um, so let me ask you this question. Can, is it possible to and maybe, maybe that's not the way I need to word it, but is it possible to be a passive Christian in this world? I, I, don't, I don't think you can be passive. I, I think we're at a we're at a place now where courage is going to become a definition of, of that title Christian. Yeah. Um, you know, Micah, I, I wrote an article recently here about how the book of Acts starts and how the book of Acts ends. And it both starts with boldness and it ends with boldness. Yeah. And um, I think the church has forgotten uh, boldness. And when I mean the church, I mean the people, the, the, the fabric of people of faith to be bold in faith. We, we've watered ourselves down to the point of believing that an invitation to church is bold enough. And uh, I, I, I think at some point in your spiritual growth, there might, that might be bold. Uh, but if, if I'm thinking through some of the folks in my congregation that have recently and radically come to Christ, an invitation to Christ is not bold at all in their opinion. Uh, you know, you think about first year believers, they want to tell everybody. Yeah, they, they want to tell everybody about the hope they've found in Jesus Christ. And they're not thinking scared. They're not thinking anything. They're thinking, I want what the I want for these folks, what I have found. Yeah. Somewhere along the journey, we mature ourselves out of that and we, we lose the boldness. We lose the courage. And um, we just think that the church will do this in the name of evangelism. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, there'll be a program for this. Uh, I don't know, but we, we've lost the sense of boldness and uh, we've uh, another thing. And I, I know this kind of sounds soap box ish. We, yeah. We've lost our high standard of, of, of living. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I'm not a teetotaler, but you know, I, I got more and more guys that are, are in, in the, in past that are pastors that, that drink and smoke and, you know, and I, I wonder if, if they stood before their congregation in the pulpit and they announced that how many people would be for that. Um, right. And I also have guys that that's been the debt. That's been a demise of theirs. And, and I'm seeing more and more that. And, and I've even seen this in, in my life as confession that there's that, that my my standards have changed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, get back to our original topic of Daniel one that that and it starts slippery. 
that's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing with the diet. If I can, if I can get him to do this and take away kind of this kosher meal idea, yeah, uh, then Daniel will be willing to take away other things, start small, and it becomes a slippery slope. And I think sure. there is a part of the of pastors where we've allowed our standards to slip, and we are we are not any longer, and, and maybe for right or for wrong, I'm not sure where I stand on this right now, but we're, we're no longer the one that you look to and say, if you want to know how to live, you just need to look at my pastor. Yeah. And it, kind of that, that idea of Paul saying, I follow Christ and, I, and, yeah. and you can follow me. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, that is a, <laughs> and I'm not watering it down, but to be fair, that is a, it, sometimes it's, that's overwhelming part of what we do, right? Because, yeah. you know, we, we are, or at least we try to be, you know, that, that, you know, we're, we're that person who tries to not be put on a pedestal, but we try to have to have that higher standard and take the high road sometimes. There's, um, there's kind of a, there's kind of a slit to the throat almost when someone says to me, I like you, you're just like me. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I want to go, oof, is that good or bad? Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that's, that's, and that's kind of the way that I want people to like, when people come and they say, Hey, you know, what, what, what's our, what's our guy like, man, what's, what's the preacher like there, man. And I'm like, Hey man, don't, don't be like Micah, be, be like Jesus. Um, I, I want to lead people that way. Uh, Cause I know man, that, that I have a jacked up past and there's things that I've, right. that I'm not, not okay with, but, but at yeah. the same time I do, you know, I, I, I hope at, at, to some extent, man, I'm, I'm living what I, what I say. Right. Um, there are a lot of guys out there that that don't. And I think that's kind of why we have a black eye uh, to an extent in the church. Um, these guys who Nebuchadnezzar uh, is kind of going after um, are guys who, you know, are teenagers. Right. I mean, they're, you know, junior high, early years of high school uh, dudes. And, um, you know, they're, they're uprooted from their family. You know, they're they're, you know, over a thousand miles from home. Yeah. I mean, this is, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to rock somebody, man, you, you get them away from everybody they know, everybody they love, they're young, their mind will switch uh, and change and, 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 you know, all these different things. They're, they're completely stripped of their identity um, from, and their names are changed from godly names. Yeah. Right. To Babylonian, you know, pagan God names. Right. But you and, know, and you know, what's interesting about that. Yeah. Throughout the scripture, they keep the same Babylonian names. Yeah. Yeah, I which I mean, and, and most people only know them by their their Babylonians. Yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego. Yeah, yeah, or or the Veggie Tale version is the uh, Rack Shack and Benny. Oh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. And I I didn't eat it, but I got kids, man, and you do too. I, I, well, I do too. I got five of them. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, but, but yeah, so they, so, so all this stuff is happening and then you, you hit on the diet, right. And, and the diet, um, yeah. you know, eat, eat this food this way. And Daniel's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Um, he, he, verse eight of, uh, Daniel chapter one says that Daniel resolved not to defile himself, which is huge. Uh -huh. That's like, you could underline that, right. He does. He, uh, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Right. He, he didn't fight it. Um, let me ask you this question in, in regards to that. Um, what do you think uh, are, are some examples of maybe people standing out for God in a wrong way? Well, in a wrong way, man, that reminds me that I, I think it was an old Nissan commercial that said, get noticed in the right way. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, not to put you on the spot, but just... no, I, I think I think uh, the wrong way, and and this is going to fly in the face of some some of my friends that I absolutely love, and, and I think God calls us to to fight certain battles uh, that we're you know my battle that I'm been asked to fight is maybe different than yours, yeah, and uh, and I may even fight it differently if it's the same battle, and so I'm not trying to put down good friends of mine or anything. I think yeah. we are. I think some people are fighting the wrong battle as it comes to equality. Uh, some people are fighting the wrong battles as it as it relates to race. I think some people are fighting the wrong battles as it relates to, uh, you know, I, I re, you know just go back to that equality, the gender, yeah, uh, yeah. sticky floor, glass ceiling stuff, uh, you know, egalitarian, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think I think people are 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 finding it wrong. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm too simple that and and uh I, I really believe that when you come to christ a lot of that equality stuff settled the justice stuff is settled the race stuff is settled and, and maybe i'm too maybe i'm a simpleton on that um but or at least it should be right you know, yeah i i think too as they fight these battles in the name of jesus you know hey we need justice in this way we need justice for that we need equality here and there uh it gets almost less Jesus and more social. Yeah. And I think they're, they think they're standing on the right platform, but I think as they stand on the platform for, yeah, I'll, I'll throw this one out, just the black lives matter. Yeah. And they, and they do, no one's disputing. That. Uh, it gets in the way of Jesus. Yeah. And, and it is right to speak on that. But I think the moment when it becomes wrong is when it becomes the priority of your yeah. Sunday or the priority of your, your sermonizing and, and I think too, you know, you, you find, you found this in the, in the uh, pro-life movement. Yeah. When I showed up at Bethany, there were billboards outside on the lawn of the church that were very direct, uh, maybe even degrading to someone who had an abortion Yeah. Uh, in a pro-life stance. And it is the right conclusion, uh, but the wrong messaging. And, and they were doing right. They were trying to stand out and be, be right, but they were wrong in their messaging. And you've probably, you, you could probably think of maybe some billboards or advertisements for pro-life movement that have been yeah. that way too. For sure. Where it, it's, oh, you're not, you're not helping the cause. Yeah. You're actually wounding people that uh, intrinsically feel guilt for what they have done. And you're not drawing men to Jesus. You're actually probably pushing them away. Kind with, with of. That kind of kind of maybe like equivalent to the bullhorn guy right you know you yeah. you know yeah. you, you go to the, the the public events and the guy who's you know pro probably inside or hopefully inside his intentions are good um but but really all he's doing is making everybody hate him and what he stands yeah. for yeah a, yeah you know my initial my initial reaction to those guys is shock jock yeah uh, that some guys like to stand on the soapbox to get the attention i, I think maybe it started out good but I think also guys like to, you know, get people angry and riled up and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's fun for them. It's an enjoyment. Um, but I think for the majority, especially now as we're hearing in the, you know, people preaching on certain topics uh, as it relates to political issues yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that, but that when that becomes the central topic, the mission. Yeah. 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 When, when it's not Jesus is Lord um, and Jesus is savior we've lost ourselves for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, 100%. Um, 
And I, I think the great thing about this story in Daniel chapter one is that Daniel, instead of making that public protest, right, he is a guy who honors authority and he creates this plan, right? And, and, and I do believe you can stand out in the wrong way. Um, I do mm-hmm. believe there, there are things that way we, ways in which we stand out, but you know, um, Daniel was this guy who, because the, the way that he stood, he caught the King's attention, right? King talks about him in verse 19. He says, uh, the King talked with him and he found none equal to Daniel, uh, and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? Isn't that a great line? Yeah. Found none. I know. So uh, good. So if Daniel and his boys, right, would have, uh, which is a great band name, right? Daniel and the boys. boys. Um, (laughs) If Daniel had just blended in, then, then, then probably nothing historic would have happened there. Right. I mean, he just would have been another guy. Yeah. Um, Or, or if, or think about it this way. If, if they just said, you know what, I'm not eating this stupid food, forget it. Right they probably wouldn't have lived like they're probably going to get executed for, for basically saying, you know, forget you guys, I'm not eating this because, Hey, I'm, I follow God and I ain't following this false, whatever. Daniel didn't do that. And yet he was still effective. Yeah. You ever think about that? You think about, you know, you know, a lot of people say, Hey, he needs to stand up. He needs to be that guy. And in his own way, he's like, look, I'm not going to do it that way. Um, I'm going to stand in a way that, you know, um, I'm definitely going to stand for something. You know, you've heard the line, right? If you don't stand for, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Sure. Uh, which is true. I agree with that. Uh, but, but how you do it matters, right? You, you can be, you can be wrong and right at the same time. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, the right information, but the wrong way of approaching it. And, and then in turn, actually just being wrong, right? Cause you put a positive and a negative together and, you get a negative, right? Okay, cool. All yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I know they can't see my head shaking through the audio. <laughs> you're good, bro. Yeah, you're yeah. good. So, so, uh, so, in the same way, um, I think Craig Rochelle said this line, which which really stood out to me. Uh, I love the way that he puts this. He says, "I'd rather be remembered for standing out than forgotten for blending in." Yeah, and. And, um, you know, like I said, one of the ways that we see this is, is Daniel and the way that he handled it. Was there anything specifically you think that just stood out about that? I mean, is that where we get, is that where we get the whole Daniel plan? Like the food thing? Uh, is that where people get that? The Rick Warren came up with a Daniel diet. Yeah. No, but it's where we get the Daniel dilemma. And the Daniel dilemma is something that I think has been written on extensively and, uh, Hodges, Chris Hodges, has done some really good work, at least in practicality, uh, book that he has out by it. But uh, your, your, your question was uh, kind of like the, 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 the little spark that creates the fire. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Daniel intentionally tried to stand out and uh, he was doing what his, his faith was respond, asking him to respond, how his faith was asking him to respond. And I think that's much different than someone trying to make a wake in the world. Uh, he, I don't believe, I don't think he was trying to make a wake in the world, but when he was put in a position to have to make a decision uh, to compromise his faith or to live boldly in his faith, it was a non-issue. He was going to live boldly for his faith 
God was going to win the day in his life. And there was, I think, a blessing that came that out of that. Um, that and then God decides, I'm going to uh, make sure that their health is not just uh, uh, in line with the rest, but, but exceeds the rest. You notice that they look better. They're more nourished. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a God thing. That's not a diet thing. That's God. Yeah. And I think God was honoring them uh, for, for being a standout. But, I, you know, God knows the motives of our heart. And he knew the motive of Daniel. And I, I, I would, I, I can't question what Daniel's heart was, but I, I'd like to, to think that it, it, it was not, he just accepted it as an everyday. And, and why, why would he sell himself short with this? Do, do, do you think that people looked at Daniel and said, you're not doing enough? Like, do you think like guys, if you took guys from today, people from today yeah, and took them back to then and said, Hey, Daniel, come on, man. You're not, you're not doing enough. Like you, you need to get in this guy's face and tell him what's up. Right. Do, do you think, do you think that would be true? Um, I think today, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more pessimistic than yeah. that. I think today people would say, Daniel, just do what they're asking us to do. We know in our heart of hearts, we love the Lord. This stuff is just superficial. Yeah. Uh, it, we're, we're not going to show our commitment to the Lord here through our diet. We'll show our commitment to the Lord by our faith. And Daniel takes everything into the equation and says, this is all faith. This is all about who I am and my makeup. And this is and, and, and from the littlest thing to the biggest thing, I'm going to honor God. And I'm going to make sure he's the, the chief Lord of my life. And, and I see it the opposite. I think we would have compromised on some things and we would have justified it easily. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there might've been those guys that would have been, you know, uh, bold to get in the <laughs> face of the, uh, the guy that was watching them and said, yeah, you know, told them off and whatever, but what, yeah. what, what would that have done? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What led to death. What, 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 do you, what do you think? Um, let's, let's go to 2021 for just a minute in, re, in, in relation to this. And I don't, I won't keep you much longer, but no, you're not keeping me. Get out I, of here. I want to, I want to ask you this. What are some ways you think people blend into the world today? Yeah. Uh, I'm under this mindset that this is the best time in all the history of the world. Be alive. I got a thousand reasons for that. I think though, for, as a believer, uh, there, there is more, that we know about God than ever before. Science has given us more. The world's given us more, you know, all the uh, math and psychology, it's all given us more that, that how great the totality of our God is. Okay. Yeah. So it's a great time to be a believer because we know so much more about God and, and, and how he works and how he's created us and wired us and how complex things are and how beautiful he is. Sure. But also the world is dark and uh, I love Bob Russell. And I love the line one time when he said, it's good to be in the flashlight business when the power goes out. That's awesome. And we're, we're in the flashlight business I'm and it is right so now. easy. <laughs> it is so easy right now in the darkness of men in the desperation of man and the depression of mankind to be a little pinprick of light. And Micah, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of light to yeah. pierce the darkness. And boy, if it, it, and it's the little things of faith that have the power to light up the room. And, and instead of maybe looking for, the earth shattering moment, I see Daniel just going, I'm just going to be a person that loves the Lord with all that I am, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is going to look different at different times, but it is always going to compel me to do the thing that honors God. And if that's a big 
shining bright light in the darkness, so be it. And if it's just a little pinprick of hope, so be it. And, uh, and I'm just going to be a follower of my God in, 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 in wholeness of who I am. And, um, you, you know, the, I, 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 I can see, I can see folks easily today, just taking small steps of loving their neighbor. Right. Uh, yeah. we've led people to believe when we ask the question, who's my neighbor? And, and we go, well, everybody's our neighbor. But kind of my thinking is if everybody's your neighbor, then no one's your neighbor. Yeah. Like who's your actual neighbor? Like, how about we start, how about we just start there? Yeah. And we do our best to show light into their darkness and, and be the little bit of hope and not compromise our faith and, and, and not back down from their tragedy or hurt and their pain and speak boldly about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ yeah, as it yeah. relates to them. Not, not to proselytize, but to bring hope and to bring comfort and to bring assurance. And, and also to show that person that you can walk through this world with uh, a greater hope and a, and a, and a greater uh, security than what maybe they've been offered or what, or, or the world they're living in now is, is, is giving to them. And I don't think it takes a whole lot of, of light right now to, to, yeah. to shine brightly for Jesus. I don't know. Because, because it is dark, right? Yeah. I mean, so dark. And, and, you know, um, I, I love that you said that just a few minutes ago, you were talking about, um, how Joshua kind of, it was like a mindset that he had, right. He, he was just focused on, on what he wanted and what he, where he knew he needed to be and what God had called him to be. And so there wasn't a whole lot was going to rock him. And I think sometimes we get caught up in all the hows and, and less about the what's and, 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 and Joshua, you know, kind of modeled that for us in a way that, or not Joshua, Daniel modeled that for us in a way that, you know, we, we kind of, um, I would say maybe you need to make these decisions ahead of time, right? Like, like if you have a mindset, like, Hey, this is the lifestyle that I'm going to live. Right. And, and I think when we have that mindset where we make up our mind before we even go out and about in the world or whatever that we're doing, if we have that mindset of, Hey, I'm going to live my life this way. Um, it's a lot harder to shake you. Right. Than, than somebody who just kind of goes with the flow. Um, you, you, you know, time and time again, as you look through Daniel and you read in the, the, the primary, uh, the, the primary um, uh, uh, testings, I should say, the tests that yeah. society puts Daniel through about his faith, uh, Daniel 1, Daniel 6, uh, you know, even as an older man, uh, Darius issues the decree. Yeah. Uh, Darius yeah. loves Daniel and he is, he's fooled into that, which is such a tragic situation, but uh Daniel decides to continue to pray openly. And uh, he could have easily just said, I'll shut the blinds. Yeah. And it's not, it's not his, it's not a fabric. It's not, there's nothing about him that is that. And it reminds me of, you know, Jesus saying you're faithful with little things. You'll be faithful with big things. With a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think integrity starts in those, in those simple forms of testing and so when it comes to the big trial, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for him to, to stay faithful. I like, I like that you said that as well. Um, if, the, if there was one thing, or, or maybe there's more, than, and sure, surely there's more than one, um, what do you think is the most difficult thing about, about standing out for God today? 
I, I think there is a side of us that has a true genuine fear of public opinion. Um, uh, I don't think it's fear physically that I'll be beaten, abused, whatever, if this doesn't go well for me, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be persecuted in a physical sense. Yeah. I think the fear is, am I going to have to stand alone here? And there is an isolation that can happen with that. And uh, I think sometimes we fear just looking like idiots. All right. You know, and uh, if I'm going to be a fool, I'll be a fool for Jesus kind of a thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul was straight from the get go. There's going to be the, the, to the uh, preach Christ crucified, stumbling back to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be times where we look like fools, even though we're right. For sure. There's going to be times when we look like fools, even though we're preaching the truth. Yeah. And if you can get over yourself and, uh, and know that you're being faithful with what God's called you to as a pastor or preacher, you know, just living out your faith. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I, I think if you can just get over that, you'll, you'll have significant gains as it comes to revealing God's glory and, and driving people to the Lord. Uh, but I think fear is the, is the number one factor why people don't stand up boldly for, for Christ, uh, either in, in little situations or large. I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, and I, and I think, I think people, you know, as Christians, I think we have to remember, you know, first Peter tells us that, you know, we're, we're not from here, right? This isn't our, this isn't our destination. We're, yeah. we're aliens, right? We're I love it. foreigners. Diaspora. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so I think sometimes we need to be reminded. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times we need to understand, have that mindset that Daniel had, man. We're just like, look, if nobody else is here with me and that, and we do, man, we, that's, we do. And, and I'm guilty of that as well, man. Like, you know, sometimes I don't want to be the only one. I don't like being the only one. I don't like yeah. being, uh, you know, the guy who's all alone. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we have that mindset, but, if, but if we, if we have it drilled in our mind and Paul, I'm glad you brought him up because Paul was the same way, right? I mean, Paul was this guy who Paul's like, look, man, you can beat me. You can kill me. Uh, but, but this is where I stand on this and I won't budge, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, we need a lot of, we need, we need more like that today. Uh, people who just, Hey, this is what I believe. This is why I believe it. This is what the Bible says, man. And I don't really care what culture says. Um, yeah, it, it reminds me of the old uh, illustration of uh, when General Sherman was on his march to the sea and moved his way through Atlanta and started to burn down the city. And an old Southerner woman who was clearly on the side of the Confederacy uh, stands in front of General Sherman before he begins to burn down her home. And he starts, she starts rather to swipe at her with the broom. Yeah. And he demands that she move out of the way and she refuses. And he basically says to her, do you believe you can take on the whole union army? And she says, no, sir. I just want you to know on whose side I stand. Wow. And I think there needs to be a little bit more of that. Us. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you this last question. Um, what, what, if you could, um, if maybe there was somebody who was listening to this right now, right. And they're, they maybe have um, struggled to, to blend in maybe at work um, at their jobs, the people that they're around, uh, maybe it's at school, maybe it's um, whatever it is, maybe, maybe around their friends, you know uh, what advice would you give 
someone who maybe is struggling with that right now, like, Hey, I'm, I'm dangerously close and to, to blending in. Um, what, what advice would you give them? The, the worst thing you could do is become the chameleon. Uh, you know, and the best thing you could do is, is to find your identity back in Christ again. You know, I think it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Once you know who you are, uh, you know who you're supposed to be. Um, and it, you, you can't find, you, you, you can't go the opposite route. You can't just think you, what you're, you know, do what you're supposed to do until you know who you are supposed to be. And that is found in my identities in Christ. And I think once you land with your identity in Christ, um, number one, I think there's a boldness that comes with the spirit of God at work within us. But two, I, I think it becomes more natural for you to stand out. Um, and though there always is the sting of standing out, right? You're, you're going to feel the pinch. You're going to get called out for it, whatever. Um, at least you know that what you did at, at your core, at your heart of hearts, was exactly what Christ has called you to do in that, in that moment. And I think what I tell somebody who was at a job that, uh, you, you don't need to become you don't need to become the target uh, uh, at the at the workplace uh, because of your buffoonery. Yeah, uh, yeah, you need to let Christ become the target because of, of your your witness is so clear that they're they're looking. You know, it's what Christ said. They're going to persecute you because of me. Yeah. So yeah. let them persecute you because of Him, rather than just persecuting you because of you are who you yeah. are. Yeah. You're, you're nuts or you're crazy or you're, you know, you have no sympathy or grace. Yeah. So let them, let them see Jesus, the truth, and let that truth uh, pinprick them enough that maybe you become a whipping post, but you can look back and say, I'm not the whipping post. The yeah. truth is the whipping post. And, and that's, that's Christ himself. And, and for everybody that's in that position, that's going to look differently, but you know, it's not about making the wake. It's about really making the ripple. And uh, the ripple is, uh, a little bit more gentle in people's lives and, and yet enough to make a stir in their pond. And, uh, and they can see that you, you've made impact and, and it, it's not a crater. It hasn't wrecked them and ruined them and they hate you for it, but it's just enough that their heart can maybe become soft and less callous to the Holy spirit. And so I think the daily grind of faith is better than that moment where you have to be faithful. And so I would tell that person be consistent. Yeah. There's no better witness than the one who is consistent. There's no greater testimony than the testimony of the man or the woman that stands up and says, I have been consistent in my faith to Christ. And I recognize my need for a savior. And I, I wasn't on the drugs. I, I wasn't caught up into, you know, uh, you know, pornography or anything else, but I've, re I've, re I've recognized my depravity and I, I have remained faithful to the Lord. That is, a, that is an honorable, huge testimony yeah. in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely, man. I I finished right. It's, you know, Paul Paul's yeah. words, man. Finish, yeah. finish. So, hey, bro, thanks so much for for jumping on today, man. I, I appreciate you giving me like fifty minutes of your time to. Yeah, I loved it. It, it passed by so quickly. Uh, it did, and we could we could spend much more time uh, on this for sure. But uh, maybe maybe we'll get you on again. Um, if anything, man, we can go down and grab some grab some lunch here soon. Muneco uh, Taqueria. There you go. Because we've only been there once, so yeah. we're gonna have to. I mean, there ain't a whole lot of options in Odin, right? It's kind of taken. No, up. and I think it would be wise of you to try the cow tongue or the goat brain tacos. <sighs> cow tongue? Yeah. They offer that there? Yeah. Have you had it? Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> What's it like? Is it chewy? Uh, it's tender, actually. <laughs> but it's not something I want to go back to. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, man. I, I'm in. Uh, I don't know about the cow tongue. What, what, what else did you say? The goat? <laughs> yeah, goat brain. Goat brain tacos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think if I put enough um, sauce on, maybe. You wouldn't even know. Uh, wouldn't. Look, I'll, I'll leave you with this. The other night, uh, my wife and I, we were on our traveling back to Odin, and uh, we went and got sushi, and we love sushi, um, but it was a buy two, get one free uh <laughs> <laughs> rolls and so the third roll i got a little bit exotic uh and i said hey i want the dragon roll and a dragon roll is if you don't know it's eel mm-hmm. eel sauce um i have no idea what eel sauce is like you can't buy that at kroger or you know walmart or any of that right i don't think maybe you can um but uh we started i started eating it and it wasn't like the other two rolls that we had and there was a piece of the eel that was sticking out the back just kind of fluttering um, and so my wife, she's eating this and she eats as soon as she eats it and she sees that, right. It's like instant. She starts gagging. And I'm like, if you dump it in the yum, yum sauce, just soak it in yum, yum sauce. Uh, so, uh, sushi snobs would, would hate that. Right. But, um, uh, it helps. And so she was like, nah, I had my piece. I'm done. Right. So I don't know. Are you a sushi guy? Uh, I just had some today for lunch. I'm, I don't crave it, but I'll, I I like it at, at, on occasion. Yeah. You ever had eel? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like it? Uh, yeah. I just had eel sauce today. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. What What is eel sauce? I don't know. <laughs> I, I assume it's the sauce of an eel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right, Dude, I, I don't, listen, I don't know how to pronounce things, but I know it eats good. That's yeah. Yeah. You just point to it on the menu. Yeah, I, I I'm like looking through the French to find the hamburgers. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, good yeah. to know. So remind me when we get together, goat brain tacos or uh, cow tongue. Yeah. All right, man. I'll, I'll try it. I can't promise I'll finish it though. That's okay. And make sure that we have a lot of a uh, lot of sauce. <laughs> Dude, thanks so much again. I really appreciate you giving me the time today, Thank you, Micah. And uh, we'll do it again here soon. All right. All right. Appreciate your ministry. Thank you. Same to you, man. Praying for Bethany, praying for you and your family and all the above. All right. All right. We'll see you. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.